this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Comics and Culture Radar, a podcast that's on the lookout for what's good to read and watch. If you don't know who Milton is, let's ask the Suicide Squad what they think. Who's Milton? What? I don't remember any Milton. Fuck! He has been with us the whole time! Somebody named Milton has been with us the whole time? Yes! I don't think so. I think I would have noticed if a guy named Milton's been with us. It's not a very common name. I don't think I've ever even met Milton. Hello and welcome to the program. Today we are talking to Wells Thompson and Dalton Shannon. Uh, could you guys introduce yourselves for me? Uh, Wells, how about you go first? My name is Wells Thompson. Uh, we co- I feel like we covered that ground. Uh, I'm a comic book writer uh, presently located in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I, I rescue cats and I'm a, I eat vegetarian food most of the time. And how about you, Dalton? Hey, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Dalton. Uh, I'm a writer, cartoonist, and uh, comic dude who uh, likes making comics like Mechaton and um, all sorts of other goodies uh, in Arkansas, soon to be Wisconsin. That's cool. That's cool. And yeah, we're we're here to talk about Mechaton uh, today. But before we talk about Mechaton, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna steal some of your time for just my own personal entertainment needs and ask you guys um, what's on your radar give us something in the entertainment world that that you think is kind of cool um and maybe something that's kind of more on the obscure side um wells how about you uh go first do you have anything you can recommend to us from the world of movies tv or comics just so much it's a problem uh let's see I think I have to, in good faith, shout out uh, Grant Stoy, who's currently running a campaign for uh, SideQuest uh, number four. Uh, I SideQuest is a uh, sort of D&D light comic, uh, which if you're like me, when you hear that, you're like, OK, uh, I'm immediately checked out and I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, but I was surprised by how like smart and moving and well done it is uh and in light of several of these kind of you know uh D structured comics coming out uh there's one that just came out either vault or scout i don't remember um but put all of them aside side quest is the only one that you need uh it's a really cool like on on one level, it's like kind of challenging the reader itself for even engaging in escapist fiction at all. 
like how we deal with escapist entertainment and how we make it a substitute for real life. Uh, and on the other level, it is just a really entertaining comic with lots of really engaging characters, uh, which at the end of the day is all I really care about in my comics. So that's where I'd start. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Uh, how about you, Dalton? Let me put you on the spot. Uh, have you got anything that you can recommend for us? Well, um, I I usually go back to, because the, the guy still does not have the... Uh, the mainstream recognition that this, that he deserves, but Michel Fife um, had a nice run in like 2018 where he got on Bloodstrike and uh, GI Joe. Like that dude was firing on all cylinders. Uh, he even got Copra published through through Image. But this dude is a cartoonist who is uh, writing, penciling, inking, coloring, letter, hand lettering, and self-publishing every single book he puts out he's been publishing copra uh his suicide squad pastiche uh since like 2012 and uh issue 41 just came into my mailbox uh like a month or two ago um the the guy is doing things with comics that i have never seen before uh layouts and lettering techniques um printing techniques uh, that if you haven't checked out his stuff, um, the easiest way is to just grab all the Copra trades through Image Comics um, and then immediately go to uh, his Patreon or his Etsy store and sign up for uh, a Copra subscription. And then every month you can get the best damn action comic on the shelf mailed directly to your door. And uh, maybe we can... Uh, get fifa uh on a, a monthly book that uh everyone is, is reading now you you said it was kind of like a suicide squad i read the first trade and maybe my memory is fading but um is it kind of a mashup of suicide squad and gi joe or i thought there was like a gi joe element as well uh i mean insofar as it's a government task force so it is it's very much the government is sending this uh team of imperfect people to do jobs they want off the record uh and it continuously uh gets bogged down into like geopolitics and other dimensional fourth world chaos that uh almost breaks the page with how awesome it is. That is cool. That is cool. Um, as for myself, I recently um, found something super obscure, or at least it's obscure to me. I was uh, shopping for Christmas gifts and I was in a bookstore that also does home video. And I saw this title among the more like elite, uh, criterion DVDs on a display, but um, it uh, it's a Yakuza film from the early 1980s called Sailor Suit and Machine Gun. Have either got you guys ever in. heard of this thing? No, but you've already sold me. Okay, yeah, no title alone, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I'm on board. This is this is one of those things where, yeah, you you look at the title and, um you hope that that's what it delivers. And that is exactly what it delivers. It's a story about a uh, Japanese teenage girl uh, in the standard uh, school uniform outfit uh, becomes the uh, chairman of a Yakuza gang. And one of the more endearing aspects of this film is, I mean, it's got like a cult film quality to it throughout but and it's got over the top violence and just crazy silliness but it also kind of takes its silly premise kind of seriously and really wonders like okay what would it be like uh, if some teenage schoolgirl took over a yakuza clan um and so let's 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 explore that for 2 hours so it wasn't just you know pure exploitative action scenes throughout and it was just a whole lot of fun. And it I think it just recently got 
remastered or something and put out by Arrow Video. Um, but you don't have to buy the thing. You can just, um, the new version is available for streaming or rental streaming at a number of outlets. Um, I can't remember which one I found it from, but uh, it should be really easy to find. Um, so before we got started recording, Wells teased that uh, he could come here with well more than just one recommendation. So uh, why don't you hit us with another one? Jesus. All right. Uh, I've been really enamored with this book, uh, And We Walked for Miles by Ali Burke and uh, Tara Hamilton. They're a couple of um, comic book writer, uh, comic book collaborators out of, I think, Knoxville, Tennessee, um, which I live very close to there. So uh, I was immediately interested. And it's this really interesting, like, compilation of comics that they've done over the last something like 10 years. Uh, and it is like soul crushingly sincere is, mm-hmm. is the way I would describe it. Like, on the one hand, uh, you know, you could pick apart and be like, well, the art is kind of scraggly and, and not perfect. And the, the lettering, you know, definitely needs some work. Um but underneath kind of all of that, you have this very like tragically personal kind of uh, story being told. One of my favorite moments is uh, early on in the book, there's this there are these series of vignettes just that are just labeled anxieties. <laughs> uh, and it's like four like as between two and six panels each of just things like uh, like the first time she experienced like death and, and learned what, you know, death was and, and what fear of death was. Uh, and after a couple of pages of this, uh, there's one where like, she's describing how, uh, how she lost her grandma and halfway through, she stops drawing and just says, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sorry. This is too much. But like, but oh, the, wow. pa- <laughs> the panels are like there for the rest of the page they're just empty and the captions are there so you can read them but like it it remains empty for the rest of the page and it's just like this really intensely personal moment that you feel like you just have been let in on uh without meaning to uh, that sounds fascinating yeah it's really cool uh they run uh a their own like uh press called uh fine okay press uh that's just okay the letters uh, and you can buy the book directly from them. So I, I definitely recommend doing that. Uh, it's a really, really cool experience. And uh, Dalton, do you have a second offering for us? Uh, well, in a complete 180, uh, can we talk about how cool the Ultraman trigger toys are? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all in favor of this, but I'm completely ignorant. So school me on the, uh, on these toys. Okay. Well, uh, Mostly, I want to talk about Ultraman Trigger uh, and how much I love Ultraman. As a, as you can probably tell from uh, Mechaton itself and, and all the Toku influence, but uh, big man man grows big to punch monsters in the face is awesome. And the gimmick of Ultraman is he always has a transformation device. Um, sometimes it's like a, a gyro, sometimes it's a, a capsule of some kind. But Ultraman Trigger, appropriately enough, is a gun, uh, which is odd to me considering Japan and their uh, relationship with firearms in that they don't have one necessarily. Um, and so like the, the main character works with um, this military outfit as is standard for Ultraman. And he's got this gun called a spark lance that he pulls out of the holster and he can pull the hinge back on the top. So the top of the gun pulls back and reveals like a diamond in the center. And it becomes like this little Sailor Moon looking lance. And he pulls the trigger and transforms into Ultraman. And he has all these different form types that look like ammo cartridges that he puts into the bottom of it and pulls the trigger and turns into. And then he's got like a sword that he puts the cartridges in. And all of these toys look so cool. And I know this show is just a toy commercial, but dang it, I'm already sucked in and I want to buy it. And uh, they just make so, so many cool noises. The sword turns into a bow that shoots energy light. Like it's, I can't, I can't get over just how cool the toys are. Now, now the show itself, um, is this a contemporary show or something 
Oh yeah, classic. It's, it's airing right now, um, which is uh, something that Superia Productions, the, the guys who make Ultraman, uh, they've only just recently started doing. Uh, Tokusatsu is notoriously hard to watch over here in the West because uh, the companies that make them don't localize them because mm-hmm. uh, they don't think there's a market here. But uh, since like 2020, Subaraya has been making a hard push to try and get Ultraman popular over here. So they have started uh, simultaneously casting uh, the premieres of Ultraman on their YouTube channel with English subtitles. So you can oh, watch wow. Ultraman trigger every week on their YouTube channel as it premieres. Uh, and I, you know, I have seen better Ultraman shows. Uh, Trigger's kind of lame, but the, the <laughs> gimmick, the gimmick is so cool, and the theme song rips. Like no matter what, your day's automatically better because the Trigger theme song is one of the greatest theme songs I've ever heard in my life. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to immediately check that part out. Oh, all right. My my wife, my wife thinks Tokusatsu is one of the stupidest things in, on earth, and she's right. But every time I listen, I, I'm watching it and the theme song comes on, she starts pumping her fist and singing along. And you can definitely along, get people hooked on a theme song. Yeah, for sure. That's how my wife got me on Madoka Magica. Oh, my God. Yeah. And by sing along, I mean, definitely mumble the Japanese parts until you hear a word you recognize and then you, you do you belt it out. So um, I will close out the recommendation portion here with something that's maybe borderline on the obscurity scorecard, um, but it's it's a very recent film release, and it's called Come On, Come On uh, by the director Mike Mills, who I think is a ridiculously underrated filmmaker. His most recent film, 20th Century Women, uh, was just phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, and this one is a black and white film starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix plays a sort of audio journalist, uh, not really a podcaster, but someone more in the vein of like a um, New York Times podcast or a Ira Glass uh, network of personalities kind of uh show and um it's about a relationship with him and um a a young child and his family um who are brought together in uh, unique circumstances while he's in the middle of uh, doing this lengthy um series of interviews with other children um, about the state of the world um and it's got gorgeous photography and just got a real sense of uh you know ennui and uh uncertainty about the age that we're living in so um i highly recommend it even though i made it sound kind of dour um it's it's definitely worth checking out so let's uh let's segue into why we're here today to talk about mechaton and um before we get into the specifics of mechaton why don't you give us a little bit of background wells and dalton like how, how do you guys even know each other uh, a wizard that. cursed me uh, to know my <laughs> shame in human form, and thus Dalton was born. Uh, uh, I was going to say FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dalton and I uh, met in college. We went to the University of Central Arkansas together, um, at least for Dalton for the last two years uh, of, of his yeah. college career. Uh, I was there the whole time. But I actually met his wife uh, first. Uh, I don't remember where. I think it was like a like uh, gen ed class, like a like a psychology one hundred and one or something like that. Uh, but we would like go and have breakfast uh, early in the morning because we had early classes and complain and stuff. And uh, she introduced us, and um, you know, I'm not gonna say that we were like fast friends or anything like that, but we were it, it, we had a good rapport right away. And uh, then we started actually, you know, showing up in each other's writing classes. And uh, we recognized, I think mutually, uh, but really quickly <laughs> that we were among, if not the best, we were definitely top three in the class. Uh, so we started hanging out His and words, not mine. projects together. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect to anyone else that was in that class, but 
if you've ever been in a writing seminar, you know who the good ones are like right away. And for for us, it was like consistently us two. And then this girl, Taylor Brady, who is one of the most brilliant poets I've ever met in my life. Yeah, she she's, actually she's way better. She got, she got a full ride to uh, to University of Iowa. She's like a poet laureate. It's ridiculous. Ugh. Wow. I'm disgusted uh, with her talent. I know. It's so gross. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, I we, we did a writing exercise where we just pulled from a list of prompts and Dalton in about 40 minutes had written uh, an incredibly long uh, piece about how uh, this character was going on a blind date. He had set up through Tinder and he had no, kind of no, no. lied Christian on his profile, Mingle. whatever. <laughs> and uh, he, had so, he had sort of lied on his profile, but he didn't think it was that big a deal. And, uh, but he's getting weird vibes off the date. And it's slowly revealed that his date is a velociraptor in a blonde wig. Uh, and the entire class is like cracking up the entire time because his, his like Dalton style is just naturally very bantery and funny. And I just remember thinking, yeah, I got to keep this guy around. This is too good. (laughs) And so other than mutual admiration and respect in college, what led you guys to step up uh, to become collaborators and then specifically why comics? I dragged Wells kicking and screaming, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's about right. Uh, yeah, we had sort of tried very hard to do several different collaborations for different things. Uh, you yeah, know, we had a podcasting phase and that sort of petered out. We had we, we tried to get like multiple of our friends from college together to to like do a multimedia website kind of thing. And that was extremely as you can imagine probably extremely difficult to coordinate and didn't work out at all uh but you know me and dalton were producing pretty consistent content so we just kept you know looking at each other's stuff uh and i think the tipping point was dalton had been working on this uh this comic for a really long time but he was kind of stuck on it and couldn't figure out what to do with it or how to end it and uh, after a little while, I was like, I think something there's something here. Uh, do you want me to just kind of grab it and see what I can do with it? And he was just like, go for it. Um, and then like a month later, I came back with the I had turned it into like a film script because that's how what I knew how to write. I didn't really understand like what comic writing was then. Um, and it was like clumsy uh, and it definitely needed to be like hammered out. But it was it was a whole it was a thing like it was finished. <laughs> And kind of the shape of of what it was is uh, still what like it is is now what it is today. Even though it it only exists as a script right now, uh, it's a, definitely a future project we're going to be working on. But uh, but that sort of experience of working together, I think, uh, let us know that oh, this is this is a good time, and we we bounce off of each other really well. Um, and then Dalton was doing these like eight page scripts uh, almost as a writing exercise. And I was like, you know what? Why don't we just draw these <laughs> and, and try and sell them and see what we can do. So tell us a little bit about the division of labor in your collaboration. Um, do you guys separate um, into different areas of focus? Um, is one of you better than the other in one capacity and vice versa, or do you have the same strengths and weaknesses? How, how does this all work for you guys? So we both share a keyboard. I write one line, and then Wells writes one line. And oh, I was going to say your right hand. Line. Your right hand, I'm left hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think we have very complicated, yet still more complicated. Is somehow. Uh, we have very <laughs> kind of complementary styles, I think. Yeah, for like sure. Like on the writing front, it's, it's very much... Uh, Dalton came up with a metaphor that I really like is, is I keep the uh, cart on the track and then Dalton keeps it moving. Uh, Just, you know, the things that I'm kind of naturally good with uh, plotting character, uh, character work and like uh, theming and things like that. um, Dalton is can do, but is, is much more interested in doing, you know, banter and, uh, set pieces and you know stuff that's going to make uh, the action pop and and the the page turn uh, and so momentum yeah momentum 
Um, so yeah, it's it's a process of I made it. I make a draft and then I hand it to him, and then he makes a draft, and we just hand it back and forth until we have something cool. <laughs> and speaking of something cool, you do have something cool, and uh, oh, thank you. You are about to launch. A, or by the time this comes out, it will probably be the day of the launch um, for the first and second issue of your series, which I think I mispronounced earlier. It's Mechaton, right? Mechaton. Mechaton. Okay. Okay. I did say it right now. All right. Yeah. So um, why don't you guys give us the pitch uh, for the series in general? Ooh, Wells has been practicing this. Oh, Christ. All right. Uh so Mechaton is about an alien glove that crash lands on Earth uh, and is picked up by a couple of idiots. Uh, and they quickly discover that anything they punch with the glove on uh, turns into a mech uh, and is reconstituted out of whatever they punch. So that could like the first issue is a hot dog stand. They punch it's reconstituted into this mech and then they have to use it to fight uh, what are essentially kaiju. Um, giant mutated bugs that coincidentally, or maybe not so much, uh, have started showing up around the same time as the glove uh, crash landing to Earth. Very cool. And um, one of the things that you may um, have uh, emphasized Dalton's uh, contribution on, but I'm sure you both had a uh, angle here, but as as a reader of the first issue, I I, I felt that uh, you had a lot of uh, good humor and really good banter uh, among your main characters there, and that's that's one of the delightful strengths of the book. So I want to compliment you guys on that. Um, Thank you. Do you guys um, just riff jokes off of each other, or um, do you script it and share? Uh, well. A lot of uh, the dialogue that I tend to write is me having a fictional conversation with my friends, and like I'm I'm just considering the the back and forth, uh, and then I'll put a bunch of one liners and stuff like that in there, and then Wells will come in and be like, "Okay, there's a hundred speech bubbles on this page, Dalton. Maybe we should cut some of this." And <laughs> it's I'm more like, out of like fear of for our safety because i know when we present it to the letterer they're gonna go what yeah. the hell is oh, yeah. this and, and he's completely right and so so <laughs> wells helps to trim that back and uh he throws in a few like wells has come up with a lot of like one-liners and um dialogue that flows together uh, like it, it uh sometimes when he comes in it it saves the the scene uh because i just end on a dud sometimes and uh so yeah the dialogue is just i don't know that's one of the things that just comes naturally that it's, flows. yeah it's very natural and at the same time is probably the thing we work on the most uh prob- just by virtue of like we're working on it as we're doing everything else so right. it's one of the last it, things we work on before we send the script yeah. off yeah. So yeah, we we it like it sometimes an entire scene starts with dialogue that we know we want and no matter but no matter how it starts it's like once we get to a point we panel lock it, we know what the action looks like, but we're still tweaking the dialogue up until uh sometimes the 11th hour. <laughs> yeah, and it can just be something as simple as uh the order the words are in uh whether we want it to have like a comma or or if we want to have a vowel where a consonant should like it's 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 such minute detail that uh it can be a little headache inducing every now and then we have to take a step back and be like is this important (laughs) are we just making it like guys we're we're just talking about hot dogs here what's the problem (laughs) um i think my favorite uh line that i added at like the 11th hour was uh I'm not going back to space jail, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved good. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, and but in addition to, um, or in somewhat in contrast to the the way that this is probably coming off to some listeners at the moment is, um, you know, we've been emphasizing the humor and the uh, sort of outlandish aspect of the premise 
you know, you punch something, you turn into a mech. However, one other core strength of this book is that it is grounded in a, a very well um, constructed sibling relationship uh, that feels authentic um, and it, it just brings the book another dimension to it. And I, I wondered if you guys could talk about that. Did, uh, was that something you designed and planned or did it grow organically or is that the sort of thing you always do in your writing? Yeah, Mechaton's always been about family and the sibling relationship has been there since the very first draft. Um, it didn't quite look like this, but it's always like it's always been about two siblings and uh, thankfully we're both siblings. So we're mm-hmm. able to pull a lot of our own experiences into that relationship. Funny enough, neither of us have sisters, though, which is yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, go go ahead. uh, I was just like, we're both, yeah. uh, I'm the youngest; he's the oldest, uh, so we have kind of that dynamic to go off of. We also just have our own friendship, which I'm not going to say is is exactly like a sibling relationship, but we riff on, we like rib on each other in the same way that siblings do. So like friends do. the way Leah and Derek talk to each other is very often the way we talk to each other. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it also presented, you know, uh, I, I tend to get stuck in my own writing with like using as few characters as possible. So w- some ways I try and do that is like, okay, well let's split up these roles. Like, you know, if we have one guy in the mech who's also calling all the shots, not only is that incredibly linear and, uh, and like, not, you know, you're not interacting with anything, really. You just kind of have a guy talking to himself. Uh, it's also going to get boring really quickly because uh, you only really have one guy talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as you split that up into, oh, no, well, well, there's one person on the ground who's calling the shots and then there's someone in the mech. It's like suddenly that's much more dynamic and uh and set it's it's just a way to set yourself up for success or that we were able to set ourselves up for success that uh i think works really well in the context of this comic in particular oh for sure your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So you mentioned uh, some of these dialogue tweaks being the last thing before you send a script off. Let's talk a little bit about the next step after you do send the script off, because you you have managed to work with some really good collaborators here. I was very impressed by the illustrations by Fernando Pinto and the colors by Megan Casey and Mayday Trippy. Um, I've apologized. I'm pretty sure butchering all of, I butchered all of those. So (laughs) Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about working with those three and um, how you found them and what their email addresses is and what their rates are. (laughs) And um, you know, but no, seriously, you know, what's it like working with those guys? Uh, Fernando's a dream to work with. Yes. Uh, he, and I, and I, he, he like, we talked about this in the pre-show. Uh, he has a, uh, a web comic called gun punch, which is just this weird actiony body horror type thing, uh, where like a guy's fist turns into a gun. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, he, this is a guy who understands the vibe of what we're going for. Yeah, uh, and has the technical chops to pull off what we're going for, uh, because I feel like in every script we write, um, <laughs> there, there's a joke um, that only really comic book writers and comic book artists would get that I say sometimes uh, when I email an artist. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and send you the draft of horses, cars, and people making out. Cool. In the middle uh, of Times Square, of course. <laughs> it's just like the most like all of our scripts have the most demanding complicated things that you can make an artist do and at this and yet at the same time like fernando 
stepped up to the challenge and immediately started knocking it out of the park. Um, I I very rarely have any kind of like uh, negative things to say about you know getting panels back. It's almost always like, yep, this is incredible. Uh, maybe tweak this just so, just to make it more consistent with everything else. Um, so that's been a dream to work with. Um, coloring has been a little bit more complicated. Uh, the reason there are two uh, colorists is because we were working with one closely and then unfortunately they couldn't finish the project. So we had to uh, find another to fill in the, the, uh, the role, which Meg has done uh, brilliantly. Um, but yeah, I think they, they absolutely nailed it. Uh, we wanted a very like Scott Pilgrimy tone, Mm-hmm. which is oh how yeah we, you've got that yeah which <laughs> is how we we found mayday is that they colored the first uh the first ever like i think it was a free comic book day comic uh instance of scott pilgrim in color um which was kind of a, a bit of serendipity that we enjoyed uh and so they had you know that very like flat colored scheme and palette uh worked very well with fernando's art um and then Megan was able to pick up and do just about the same thing, mimics the style really, really well. Uh, you can barely tell the difference between Mayday's pages and and uh, Meg's pages, which is great. Uh, I love that. So, Dalton, you've already teased us with uh, Ultraman Trigger. I'm assuming this sounds like a genre that uh, you have perhaps a number of influence to draw upon. Um, could you tell us a little bit about maybe a few more of the ingredients that went into this project? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the core of my being is superhero comics, pop punk and giant monster movies. So like anything from Godzilla to like blink 182 and, uh, I mean, Scott Pilgrim, honestly, like all of it kind of feeds into this um, because, you know, I'm all about I like the kinetic action. I like good momentum and and giant set pieces. So, like, I've been watching Godzilla movies since I don't even know if there was a time I wasn't watching Godzilla movies. Honestly, I don't remember that far back. Um, And, you know, Ultraman is uh, more of a new thing that i've been getting but toku has always been there uh giant men punching giant rubber monsters um and like mecha anime uh like gundam have always been a blast uh i I just like the big the ridiculous uh and yet all of that kind of grounded with characters that i that you fall in love with um and uh i know it's uh He's not exactly the most popular guy in 2022 now, but I was like, I was one of those guys that was heavily influenced by Joss Whedon stuff um, with those ridiculous concepts grounded with characters that you could get behind. Um, so, uh, you know, I can't root for Whedon anymore, but I still love Buffy, you know? Yeah. Um, and a number of these resource uh, references um, has reminded me of something I, I need to put out there real quickly. Uh, a public service announcement um, just uh, recently the folks, I think it's Funimation, you know, I better get this right because if I, I'm already going to get sued by this, but uh, I'll make sure. Um, yeah. So um, I treated myself uh, or so I thought I treated myself to a Christmas gift of a brand new, box set collector's edition of Robotech, the complete series by Funimation. And I'm here to declare that multi hundred dollar box set, a atrocity at the level of something in history like Paul pot or Stalin or Hitler. And I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) Oh wow. Um, wow. They, they, there's, they hyped this up as some sort of uh, remastering. And you know what? Maybe in some bizarro purist technical sense of like, hey, I want every scratch and hair and imperfection in the grain of the original film cells. Um, yeah, if that's your version of the definition of, you know, a true remastering, 
fine, you know, then this is your, you know, wet dream of a box set. But for the rest of us who want clear images and an escape into the art and the animation, it's a total fucking disaster. I'm going to try to get my money back. Screw those guys. Everybody out there who's listening, who agrees with me, <laughs> I'll, um, you know, I'll be first over the, over the gate. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, bring out the chainsaw. We, we need to, we need to write this wrong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so, the- so let me, let me ask really quickly, since we're already on this tangent, what, is this a more egregious crime than the like magenta haze over the original star Wars movies now? Oh goodness! Now see, I'm not I'm not uh, familiar with this. Wh- which version <laughs> of this is happening in in uh, Star so, Wars? So like, so I I think last time I saw it, it looked like maybe they had fixed it. I don't know, but like the original Star Wars, uh, because George Lucas like insisted on fucking with it so much, it now looks terrible because it has this like weird magenta haze over it, and like, and obviously there are like you know CGI abominations everywhere, but. I'm just wondering where, where you stand on it. Would you rather a film be remastered in a sense that like all the imperfections are brought to the forefront or uh, remastered in the sense that uh, all the charm is just sucked out of it? Now, I think it may be possible. Um, what you might be referring to are the the versions that um, came out on home video discs think maybe in 2018 or yeah. prior and i think they've rectified this with the 4k uhd versions that are currently on disney plus have you looked at those i have yes i i looked at uh, the what do you i saw um the empire strikes back over christmas and i remember thinking oh wow this looks really nice <laughs> yeah i think i think those are good examples and um you still obviously get the feel of, you know, this was shot on film. And of course that's the vibe I want for, you know, films that were shot on film. Um, and there, there's a lot of choices you can make, you know, either way in there, but, uh, yeah, I'm way off on a tangent here, but yeah, <laughs> screw, screw the Robotech box set. Well, then um, you should go check out, uh, all of Mill Creek. Uh, they've been releasing Ultraman over here in the West. Uh, their mm-hmm. mission statement is to release every single Ultraman series since 1966 over here, and they've been doing a bang-up job so far. Okay, so okay, cool. Go support well, those masters. <laughs> that's good, that's good. So um, you guys have teased something in, in my next area of curiosity, um, but I want you to expand on it a little bit. Um, you guys went to college in a discipline that was either were you, were you in a creative writing program? Yes. Okay. So uh, I was I was a minor of creative writing. My major was English, but and I think we Dalton, both were you chose, majoring in yeah, on creative writing? We both chose poorly. I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, we're splitting hairs with like we, the end of the day, we chose bad like we yes. chose things with no practical use. So, I'm going to I'm going to be greedy here and normally I only have one guest and normally I will only ask one of these questions, but I've already got two of you and I'm going to ask two uh, examples if possible from both of you. Um, Could you recommend uh, to us or just pass along a, a lesson you've learned in, in writing that came from a um, some sort of a process book or, uh, process discussion or seminar or talk or DVD extra or whatever um, <laughs> that, that really has resonated with you. Um, and if you could divide it up, give me two examples, one that came from your academic career and one that happened afterwards. Um, Wells, why don't you go first? Uh, my my temptation to just like regurgitate all of Bob May's class. Oh and just no! Be like pasto and the six key elements. And... Oh no! Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um. No, I think the. I'll, I'll do one, and then I'll let Dalton go, and I'll think about a second one. But the I think my thing that I learned just from not necessarily from an academic point of view, just from watching. And uh, and observing uh, like 
creative writing workshops and seeing people interact uh, about writing was uh, if you aren't willing to accept criticism, you're going to get nowhere. Um, and not even like, you know, you know, you're, you can be, you can say, oh, okay, that's, well, that's dumb. I don't think that's actually what it is. Like there's still room for that, but I've all the people who like whatever they made was perfect in their mind and you couldn't tell them otherwise. They like, they never got anywhere. They never got any better. And I feel like that's like an incredibly underrated skill is the ability to hear someone out and go, okay, even if I don't agree what, like with the specific thing that they're saying is wrong, they're saying something is wrong and I should take that seriously. Um, yeah. I think that's like one of the most valuable skills a writer can have. Oh, for sure. Um, one thing that really stuck with me, especially from college and the writing courses, um, it, we had a fantastic professor, uh, Gary Craig Powell. Uh, that man was... GCP! GCP was an inspiration. That dude wrote a, a short story. Uh, what was it? It was just called Sentence. Sentence. And yeah, it's it called it, Sentence. It was how many pages? Uh, it was like seven pages, seven long. straight pages. And it was one whole sentence and it didn't feel like a run on. Like, and it didn't have a semicolon. No, it didn't like, even have a fucking semicolon. No, that dude, that dude's a master of craft, which brings me to like the point that you can follow all of the rules and you can do all the thematic things and, and you can do the, the seven whatever's that, that Bob may used to teach over and over. Um, but if you if you don't have a voice, it's not going to really do, like craft over craft over rules in a sense. Like just find something that works for you and just do it. And maybe the rules usually fall into place. You know, like like character themes. Uh, you know falling, rising action, those things tend to fall into place if you're writing from a, a place of confidence and a place of uh, voice, uh, having your own voice there. Um, and it, it never really matters what's technically on the page. As long as what's on the page reads well, it, then, then there are no rules. And that was a, that was a valuable lesson. Yeah. Piggybacking off of that, I'll say I'm pretty. I, maybe I'm wrong. I think I learned this in class. I think it was a Vanderslice class. Um, that uh, if you're sitting there working out your story and you're thinking, "Oh, and this is where the rise," or um, or more accurately, because the, that's a really garbage uh, model for for like story structure anyway. But if you're like thinking, sitting there thinking, "This is the threshold," and this is you know. Uh, where you're, I don't know, there's so many different names for it. This is where you're entering the cave. If like, if you're mapping out your story like that, as you're writing it, uh, it's probably going to feel really robotic and garbage. And the best thing to do is write a story. The reason that we have this kind of structure is because naturally that's just how we tell stories and the structure kind of came afterward to explain it. But if you write a story and you're stuck somewhere uh, and then you think back on like, okay, well, what does the structure of a story look like? Very often that will solve your problem of like, okay, that well, what true. happens next? Yeah. Um, the rules are very helpful tools, but they should not dictate what you're doing. In yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're a guide, not a... Right. In the words of Captain Barbosa, they're, they're more like guidelines, really. Yeah. <laughs> And Dalton, do you have a second one or do you want to conclude um, there? Uh, a post-education thing I've learned. Uh, oh, you know, I don't, I don't think I had one and now it's gone. So we can just move <laughs> on. <laughs> do what's fun for you and yeah. don't, I, yeah, no, you know what? I'll jump in and, and say this. Uh, if you keep trying to write like people that you respect, you'll never figure out how you write. Uh, like I used to get really depressed because I would be like, oh, wow, this, you know, 
coffin brown or watchman or whatever this is brilliant and this is so like intricate and deep deep and like the way the you know characters talk is so unique i could never do that and then i realized why would i want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's not the way i write <laughs> well guys it's been an absolute delight to have you on the program today and i want to conclude by just uh asking you guys where can we find the new campaign how do we get there uh you can find it on kickstarter because that's where it's being hosted uh <laughs> um you if you are having trouble finding it on kickstarter uh i mean it 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 is as it's called mechaton m-e-c-h-a-t-o-n uh but you can also find us on uh twitter and we will be blasting about it every single day uh i'm at wells thomp t-h-o-m-p uh he's at dalton k shannon uh and you can also find if if, for example, you're reading or you're listening to this super in the future and there's not a campaign going on. We have a Gumroad store. Uh, Gumroad, uh, I believe the profile is Wells SRT, W-E-L-L-S-S-R-T. Uh, and that's where we put all the comics once they come out. So anyone can jump on at any point. And for the current campaign, uh, do you want to elaborate any on any particular reward levels or quirks or perks of this version of the campaign uh there is a variant cover uh that uh was drawn by uh fred c uh, stressing uh who does invader zim he does rick and morty he does a lot of cool stuff over at oni press uh that is an homage to green lantern 76 if you're familiar with that cover it's really cool uh so, the, and that's the only place you're really go, going to be able to find it unless you happen to find us at a con and we happen to have some extras laying around. Um, trading there's, cards. There's a, there's some trading cards on this one. That'll probably, uh, that'll probably wind up coming out on the gum road as well. Um, there's also every uh, Kickstarter we do has a soup tier. So I give up some of my family recipes so that you, uh, just to give you a little bit of a taste of what my, home life growing up was uh so we have a lovely uh lentil soup recipe if you want to spend a little bit of extra cash to support the campaign and get something delicious out of it uh i actually literally made it tonight it is fantastic (laughs) oh that's great that's great well guys thank you so much for coming on to the program and i wish you the best of luck on the campaign well hey thank Thank you you so so much much. it was a blast we're really happy to be here they killed Milton! Milton was still with us? Where did you think he was? I don't know. I thought he stayed back with the bus. He was a really nice guy, and he sacrificed himself to help us. And now look at him. Dead. Oh, that guy, Milton. Milton. So when did this great love affair with Milton start? I liked him from the beginning, okay? I just didn't say anything. 